0: Hello listeners of A Year Ago Today. I'm your host, Tyla Fowler, and I am so excited to welcome you to this week's episode. This week I talked to my close friend Adam Pierce about the dissolution of a very important relationship in his life. It was such a gorgeous conversation. We covered so much ground. (laughs) There were a couple of times where I felt like our conversation spun out a little bit, but when I listened back to this episode, I was like, this is one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. So I trust that you will all receive a lot from it. I'll tell you a little bit about Adam. He and I met in an improv class at the Magnet Theater last fall, and we became fast friends, Um, really kind of bonded over a shared spiritual lexicon we both hold, because we both Grew up in Christianity, and it was really interesting because I have not often had close friendships with men while I've also been in a committed romantic relationship, and that has been a really um, interesting thing because there have been some feelings to navigate around that, um, I think, for... Everybody involved, and I think that that's just a really interesting dynamic because I feel like a lot of us when we get into adulthood and and get into romantic partnerships, a lot of times we don't continue to nurture relationships with people of the opposite sex. so Adam has really opened me up to friendship and to speaking more openly with men in general, which has also been such a gift. And so it was such a gift to have him here on this podcast. And really the conversation that resulted is stunning. So I hope that you'll enjoy it. And oh, I'll also tell you that Adam and I recorded another segment before this one, and I have chosen not to air that at this time. So I may air that later as bonus content, but you'll hear us refer back to that a few times in this conversation and you didn't really miss anything crucial. You can pick up most of the context, I think, from, from what we're saying here, but I didn't want anybody to be like, am I missing something? Because you, you are missing something and that's okay because what is here for you is beautiful. And is there anything else I need to say about this? Well, I would love to hear what this episode activates for you that has been my favorite part of this journey so far is receiving feedback from people about awarenesses that came to them as they were listening or feelings that were triggered for them. And if you would like to share any of that, I am open to receiving your messages at a year ago podcast at gmail.com. And now I think that's it. Let's get to the show. Um, oh, and if you, if you like it, you should share it with somebody because, because that's, really a nice thing to do. And I would really appreciate it. (laughs) And I'm sure they would too. All right. Enjoy this week's episode. (laughs) Thanks Tyler. Welcome back. Thank you. You are so welcome. Glad that you're here.
1: I'm glad to be here.
0: I'm really excited to talk to you today about this. (laughs) Yeah I could tell. (laughs) Well you know because I I didn't I was about to say I had to twist your arm to get you here. That's not really true.
1: You did have to express the fullness of your excitement.
0: Yeah. I was mm-hmm. like, please, please come talk to me about this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm not attached, but I'm really attached.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was the funny one.
0: <laughs> I'm not
1: attached from the seventh text message
0: about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I think that's part of the fear around expressing our desire, right? Yeah. Is that if, if we express our desire, I don't know something about attachment that's what we're here to talk about
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah there's something scary about expressing it fully like you can indicate the direction but not the magnitude
0: wait say that again a little slower
1: uh, it's the, um, it's something interesting about desire that often we feel like we can express the direction but not the magnitude that we can say oh I like I want this um, <laughs> but to say how badly we want something is um, scarier. Uh,
0: oh, it's so. Yeah, sorry.
1: Yeah, no. There's uh. Yeah, there's a socially acceptable amount that you're allowed to want certain things, um, and so for those those of us who feel more strongly than the than the socially desired amount, it can be scary. And it's even if you say you want something at a six, if it's true that it's a nine and you don't. Find a way to truly express that and integrate it, then you're still not being, uh, honest with yourself. Mm. So I appreciated that you were as, uh, as eager as, as you actually were. Mm. And weren't trying to be coy about it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it wasn't time to be coy. <laughs> <laughs> no. This show means a lot to me. So, Yeah. It's an honor to have you here.
1: Yeah, it's an honor to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Oh, you're so welcome. Okay. So, if we air this as part two, this will be unnecessary, but if we separate these two episodes, it might not be. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm going to tell everybody briefly who you are. Yep. This is Adam Pierce, everybody. He's an actor. Hello. He's my friend. (laughs) I should have said my friend first. He's my friend.
1: I mean, I do. I, I act more than I'm actively your friend, so maybe it's the right sequence. I don't know.
0: Mm, that's true, actually. Lately, you have been really working hard.
1: It's true. It's true. In a great
0: way. In a great way. Yeah.
1: No, it's very good.
0: Okay. So, how do we begin? I'm learning, because Sally's not here, how to do this on my own. So hmm. we're here to talk about what went Let's down the in metaphor. your life. <laughs> oh my God, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, we're here to talk about what happened in your life about a year ago today.
1: Yeah, we are. So a, about a year ago today, uh, I decided to, well, my partner and I decided to end our relationship after 13 years.
0: Thirteen. That mm-hmm. isn't
1: that a number of completion? Sure, turned out to be that way uh, for me in this case.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna look that up later.
1: Yeah, go for it. You can get the get to your engineer on it. You can look it up in the background. So they do on podcasts, right? There's an engineer that looks up the facts that all the hosts <laughs> want to have answered.
0: Um, you know, witty repartee. It would be nice if I. Have enough supporters on Patreon, I would really love to have that. <laughs> perfect.
1: Make that one of the goals if we raise X amount and you get an engineer.
0: So true. That's perfect. Okay, well, we're here to talk about you. That's true. See, this is what I was talking about. I feel like I'm intruding somehow on your time right now, which is interesting. <laughs> huh.
1: That's funny. It doesn't feel like an intrusion to me. So take that for what it's worth. Mm,
0: thank you. Okay. So. I'm going to invite you—I think I need a delight in the mood. That's what happens just now. <laughs> I'm going to invite you to close your eyes and put your hands in your heart and take a deep breath or two, and then when you land a little bit, if you could share with me how you're feeling in one word, I would really appreciate that.
2: All right. Tired.
0: Uh, (laughs) That makes me want to (laughs) cry.
1: That's interesting. I don't know. The year that you spend remaking your life, I I think if you're not tired you're not doing it right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not that there isn't space for restoration and relaxation, all that, not at all. But (laughs) It's, uh, it's a lot of work, it's more work than most years.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because my impulse was to hold tired in a somewhat negative way.
1: Yeah, I think that's what most of us do. And there's certainly some negativity that's in it, right? I would like to not be tired. <laughs> um, but I can't remember where I heard the expression, but someone wants that. Um, We're all tired at the end of the day, and the point is to get tired doing something that you love. Mm -hmm. And I really feel that pretty profoundly. It's like you can lay in bed and do nothing and still be tired enough to fall asleep at night. um, Or you can, yeah, or you can live a life that day and you'll still be tired at the end of the day. We each have that choice. Mm -hmm. uh, Each day.
0: It's like, which one's going to leave you more fulfilled?
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely empty tiredness, and that sucks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's not what this feels like, though, right?
1: No, not at all. I've had very few of those days. Yeah, they have been very full days since then.
2: Oh, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> I feel that
1: yeah I mean when you're in something that has lasted for so long, it really is starting over in a lot of in some very real respects. We were together since we were nineteen mm-hmm. uh, and I'd never been an adult as a single person uh, and there's there's a lot of work to be done once you finally make that call uh, and You know, a part of our process was that it was very deliberate. Uh, And so it meant that in a large, in a large sense, we were ready. We'd done a lot of our grieving together. And, uh, yeah, and so it left, I think, both of us in a position where we're like, okay, well, this is where it is. And so now the point of not continuing was because we believed in each other's ability to be happy. Above and beyond the requirement that we should still be together, and um, so part of part of that work is a is kind of a challenge or a call to actually own your half of it, right? So for me to own my half of it is to go live my life, right? Um, like if I was going to lose all of the benefits of being with her, I better I better get the benefits of. Separation and moving on to another phase, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: you just said so much. Like, <sighs> not in a, <laughs> not in a, like, you talk too long way, but it's so honorable.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was a big deal for me when I realized that you didn't have to stop liking, loving, or respecting someone to realize that you still um, needed to move on. It's really freeing, actually, to get to that point. I think most of us unconsciously believe that at least one of those three things has to fall apart. um, That it's not... Otherwise, you don't have a good enough reason to not have a much life more uh, so letting go of that uh, narrative or that myth or that story um, was incredibly empowering mm-hmm. I could feel how I actually felt uh, and make the decisions that I needed to make and same for her
0: And how was that decision-making process? Like, how did it evolve for the two of you over time? It sounds like, you know, you've shared already that this was very measured. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering just how that process evolved.
1: Uh, yeah, slowly. You know, we had been through a lot together already. Um, I'm very cognizant of wanting to, in this conversation, share my story. Mm-hmm. Um, and be really honoring of her story and her experience. That's not the same. Um, so forgive me if I'm taking my words even more deliberately than usual.
0: Oh, uh, no, are you kidding? There's no forgiveness required. That's also honorable.
1: <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, it was, um, we had, I, uh, I used to say, and I suppose still say that I was married three or four different times to the same woman because we had so many different lives that we lived within those 13 years. Uh, you know, we were different at 19 than we were at 22, than we were uh, at 25 and 28 and 31. Uh, and, like, very distinctly, not just, oh, you know, you keep growing up. Like, we met in Minnesota, and lived in Portland, Oregon, and we moved to New York and got degrees and, you know, lots of things shifted left, uh, left the religious community we were a part of when we first met, you know, really big transitions. Um, and so we were used to navigating, uh, dramatic changes and, and coming out the other side. And I think with this, we thought we were doing the same thing. And, uh, you know, as we kept trying different things and they kept not working, uh, Became slowly clear that it that it wasn't going to be like the others, mm-hmm. or that it that it wasn't, yeah. That that this pivot wasn't one that was going to make sense. So it was very very deliberate in that way. Uh, yeah, that happened over the course of you know, I don't know. I don't know where you start to pin those things. Okay.
0: Uh, like when did it start? <laughs> yeah, it's
1: like I mean. Always starts at the beginning, right?
0: <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like it, to, to pick out, oh, it was definitely, you know, at this point, two and a half years before, at this point, six weeks before, you know, whatever it is, seems one of, one of many true stories, mm-hmm. uh, that can be said about, about, uh, about a relationship, about a life, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, time is slippery.
1: Yeah. And so is sequence and linearity. I don't even think that's a word.
0: <laughs> I uh, think it's. I understand what you meant.
1: Good. That's what language is for. Doesn't have to be a word if people know what you mean. <laughs>
0: that's
1: good. Yeah. I don't know. No, did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah I yes, think so. When did we to start.
0: Mm-hmm. And how has it been for you? Hmm since a year ago
1: uh, it has been good um, it's been confirming I think that the things that I thought were true were true that the work that we had done uh, leading up to that point was real work it was one of the things I was scared of with kind of a deliberate process that we took was that I was fooling myself that we were fooling ourselves and that if we really decided to be done, that, um, that we would, um, that that we would get to the end of it and be like, oh, uh, we still have to go through kind of all of the, all of the normal junk, uh, the grieving process um, that lots of people do if a relationship blows up kind of explosively all at once. Um, but I think the reality was that we, I, I have found that, the grieving work that we did together was not work that we had to that I had to rehash individually. Mm. I certainly had my own plenty of work to do, uh in in the past year. But it wasn't it wasn't going over old territory. It was doing the work uh of adjusting to a new phase of my life. Um which was really rewarding. Um it was something I kinda did on blind faith. But I felt like, oh, this is this is true to our relationship. This way that we're winding down is is actually a viable way to do it, and that really bore itself out. Um, so it allowed me to really spend the year pushing forward um, in really remarkable ways. Um, and yeah. yeah. So it's been good.
0: It's so interesting to me to have been witness to your life. A little bit Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) in this past however long I've known you.
1: Almost six months, right?
0: Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So, well, that's, I mean, that's really interesting to me. It's like half, half of the time. Yeah. And it's been, I have had this sense that you're kind of, not kind of, (laughs) that the success that you're having right now. Mm Mm-hmm in your career, I just, I'm like, Oh my God, this is happening so fast for you because, you know, Matt is an actor and I have lots of friends who are actors. (laughs) And I see, I see that it's taking them what seems to be, I think from day to day life, like kind of a long time,
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: you know? um, And in six months, I feel like you've gone from, being like, yeah, I'm not quite ready to put myself out there yet to, like, you know, really, really receiving some affirmation from the universe that you're on the right track.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. Was there a question in there? I don't
0: know. I guess, yeah, I guess that was a yes or no question. <laughs> it's like, is this true? by No, it wasn't even a question. I'm just, I'm testifying. <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm like...
1: I do, yeah. We share that religious language.
0: Yeah, we really do. Um, Yeah, it's like I can really testify to the fact that... that you've been... What's the word? The word that really wants to come through is diligent. Hmm.
1: Yeah, that's a good word. That's, uh, yeah, that's very true. Uh, not always successful, but always diligent.
0: <laughs> Can I ask uh, you, what does diligence mean to you? Like, when I, when I said that, how did it land? How did it feel like?
1: I felt really, um, accurate, really clear. I felt very seen in that moment, Uh yeah diligence to me is having clarity about the work that you need to do and consistently doing it. Uh, it's possible to work hard aimlessly <laughs> uh and it's possible to be clear about what needs to happen um and avoiding the hard work, doing the easy things only uh, but I think uh, I think I have been diligent um uh, i'm proud of that it's a wonderful thing to come out the other side of being in a partnership and and see yourself be able to stand on your own two feet
0: uh,
1: and to have that reflected back by friends like you and family right it's one thing to feel that way and if everyone else thinks you're going off the deep end it's probably wise to listen to that a little bit um but
0: uh, yeah if everyone's (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah, I cause that's always imagine. the fear, right? Well, at least for me. Um, I think my fear f- for a lot of reasons, uh, is that oh, I'm delusional on the things that I'm pursuing. Mm-hmm. It's not very normal. Uh, the path that I've, that I've taken, especially my creative work, is not one that most people take. Um, yeah, and so I really need to, I really still have to anchor to that sort of external feedback from people that I trust to tell me the truth. Uh, that, yes. that that's, that I'm, that I'm not delusional, right? That like, I bring, that's my fear, right? That's my, one of the deep ones. And so, I try and surround myself with people that I feel like would tell me <laughs> if I was. And then when I can't trust that for myself, I can go reflect with them and be honest and, and ask the question and be vulnerable and be open to whatever answer they give. And, uh, fortunately, so far, it's been, it's been a positive one. Um, but I think my guess is that most people who go through, you know, big relationship shifts or losses like this um, have some sort of underlying sort of thing like that. And I think I've learned to really rely on, uh, on my friends more in that capacity before when things were winding down, I relied on them for like support, right? I like you can do this, whatever you need to do, uh, Like you have what it takes to pull it off, Um, Mm -hmm. so I didn't. I needed more cheerleaders, and then uh, and then I've needed uh, still some of that, but more more mirrors. uh, uh, I think over the past year, and that's shifted the friend mix a little bit, Um, but it's been it's been good. Mm
0: -hmm. I'm so interested in. The evolution you're talking about around the kind of support we need from the people in our lives,
1: yeah, what's interesting? Where do you want to go with it? Mm,
0: isn't that always the question
1: mm-hmm.
2: It feels a little tender mm.
0: question is around I feel hesitant to ask it that's interesting Hmm. I think that I've had the experience of coming to understand the kind of support that I require and desire by contrast so by, like, having the experience that doesn't feel good and then from there going into a space of, well, what would I feel better? What am I wanting mm. that I'm not receiving here? Yeah. And so...
1: It's a painful then, phase of the process.
0: Yeah. And I guess that was the question that was coming up for me in that moment was... Now I'm jumping back again, (laughs) so you'll Mm -hmm. have to tell me if you don't want to go back there. Um, Around that process for you guys, sorry, the question is slippery.
1: (laughs) It's okay. Trust that I'll be able to hold my own uh, needs around it. You can just ask it.
0: It's around what you began to identify as the support that you desired and weren't receiving.
2: Hmm.
1: With my friends or some the relationship?
0: I was asking about the relationship. However, mm-hmm. either answer is totally fine because it's the same essentially.
1: I suppose. I think we ask for different things from our partners than we do from our friends. Uh, mm-hmm. so they're certainly connected because I'm the, I'm the common denominator, right? But, uh, hmm. You know, I think, uh, in, in a partnership, you want, uh both people to want to be going the direction the relationship is going. And for a long time, we had that. And then um, things shifted, um, in my experience. Again, I'll just speak for myself. But it felt to me that we just wanted very different things, Um like concrete different things, like where do we want to live? Mm-hmm. What do we want our day-to-day life to look like? And um we had done a lot of work like thinking about the potential of what could be with the relationship, um, really started to ground as things were difficult in holding on to okay, but the day to day needs to be working. Um and that was really illuminating to not just bet on, oh, this is what it could be, but start to say, No, this is what it needs to be day to day. This is what I actually want my Tuesday to look like, not mm-hmm. this is what I want the arc of my life to look like, the kind of partner I want. Um, or what I will say on my tombstone, right? On, like Tuesday um
0: (laughs) that's that's granular
1: yeah um but it helps get get you out of help get me out of um the abstract into the particular of what i was actually feeling what i was actually wanting as opposed Mm -hmm. to avoiding some of the things that were um that were challenging like when i was frustrated or angry or upset i didn't want to deal with that so i'd think about the future as opposed to being in the present moment with that um so at the end of the day, I don't, I don't, I don't think I was unsupported. I don't think I needed different support from her. She's still the person who I think, outside of, uh, outside of my, my parents,
0: and
1: who supported me the most in my life. And I felt that and still feel that. Uh, it was just that we wanted different lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, and when you want different lives, that creates a lot of friction, a lot of tension, right? It doesn't mean that, like, it was the serene sort of thing. Um, it was painful to be in that. But I don't think the root was, oh, I was getting the wrong kind of support, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating that that's where my brain took it, though.
1: Yeah, I mean it, I mean, it does show up as deficits, right? Because if someone, if you don't want to be in the same place doing the same things, then you're not going to be able to give each other what the, what, what you need. But it's...
2: Not you know deficit. it's liberating
1: yeah. to be able, right it's not a deficit and it's not someone doing the wrong thing or not showing up enough the reality is we were both of us were showing up at 150 percent to try and make it work um and we were getting whatever percentage beneath that 50 percent. right the sum was n- much less than the than the total of its parts um because that's what happens when when you don't want the same things um so yeah um So yeah, so I don't think, and that was part of the liberating thing too about it was to recognize that it wasn't, she doesn't do anything wrong, right? On one level, right? And same for me. Not that we're, we were not perfect, we weren't perfect towards each other. Uh, I'm not trying to like over-spiritualize it, but I think so often we can personalize something that is actually a more fundamental shift that happens to us, right? Like when our desires show up and we start listening to them or our desires change. They don't get to choose them all the time, right? Those things yeah. show up in us, and if we individualize it too heavily, then you suddenly see it as a betrayal or a rejection, um, when it's really just a shift. Um,
0: yeah, it's like neither of us has caused this,
1: right?
2: Yeah, it, just it
1: I, is right, and what it what it is and what it was was very painful, right, and. But I don't for a minute think that either, either of us didn't put all of our effort into trying to find a way for it to look through. Uh, that was not the problem. Uh,
2: yeah.
1: I think as far as friends are concerned, the support shift was kind of what I was describing before. I needed friends before to help me visualize what a life would be outside of that context outside of that relationship because um, i didn't have any experience to, with that so I, having friends be able to have that conversation was really helpful so i could see that there was an alternative there wasn't this or nothing um but there was still joy that there was peace there's happiness all the fulfillment all the things were still available um, and possible both within and outside of the relationship so the question was okay was the relationship something that we wanted to continue to do because as long as it was, oh, this is the only place you can have those things. And of course, you'd always keep choosing the relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same thing. as like growing up in a conservative religion. Uh, it's like that's that's the number one of them. A few big lies, but one of the big ones for me was the one that, I, oh, everyone that, who believes what we do is really seeking out how to live a good and just life. And everyone outside of it is just lost, right? Like this binary, right? And, um yeah, when I started getting exposure to people who didn't have anything to do with my religious tradition, and they were just as interested in the deep things as I was, I was like, "Oh, well, that is clearly <laughs> bullshit."
0: They lied to me,
1: right? Yeah, or they didn't know, right? And some some mm. nasty mix, right? Yeah. They were lied to, and their parents were lied to, and their parents were yeah. lied right? Yeah, like, and yeah, yeah. uh, turtles all the way down. Sometimes, um, but um, it's the same thing, I think, with any sort of piece of our identity that we just assume, right? Whether it's your religion or your career or your relationship. But we begin to think that the good things only show up there because of that external piece when the reality is we are unbelievably adaptable creatures. We're, you know, souls of great, tremendous creative force. Um, and we can create, create lives for ourselves over and over again. Uh, it's not infinite and it's not always the right choice to do to change but i think we are in general predisposed to loathe change and fear that we won't be able to land on our feet on the other side when both the anecdotal and i think the research shows that we're actually highly adaptable and able able to do that it doesn't mean we don't experience loss um but the reality is if you're already thinking about those things you've already ex- experienced loss right you're already realizing that something right
0: you're living has already in
1: happened. Loss. right and that still still might be the right choice to say, okay, but this is still better than the alternative. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is, um, it's no longer this um, all or nothing uh, proposal.
0: Mm-hmm. My next question <laughs> feels like a bit of a jump. That's okay, though. I'm curious about what your self-talk is like. I'm listening to you talk right now, and you know, it's so, again, precise. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: (laughs) I guess I'm a little bit like, how did you? I know that this last year has been challenging for you, and that (laughs) one of those challenges, I mean, just, I mean, it would be challenging for anybody, right? Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, I would imagine that just being apart from somebody who's been your best friend <laughs> for a long time, your partner, you have to coach yourself through it a little bit. I mean, I coach myself through my day to day life all day, every day. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right. Right.
0: Um, so I guess that's my question. My question is what is your self talk like? <laughs> hmm. How have you coached yourself through this experience? Because I know that you, must
1: do you yeah certainly i don't know that i think about it as coaching myself through but self-talk absolutely is a frame that i use and think about a lot it was a big thing for me realizing how self uh deprecating i was many years ago it was one of the things that got me to therapy in the first place um i was recognizing that relationship to myself was not i wasn't very kind to myself at all um that's, that's putting it nicely. I was very cruel to myself, um, which was uh, right on par with what I was raised in. That's what I was supposed to do. That was very much the frame uh, of being a good Christian in my particular denomination. Um, but I realized that, that was not actually serving me in the way that they promised it would be. Um, so Wait, myself that, talk- that What sorry.
0: was not actually serving you in the way they said it would be?
1: Uh, the, like... Constant self flagellation, mm-hmm. right? Of like falling, having a standard of unattainable perfection and yeah. then, mm-hmm. uh, an unending stream of, uh, self deprecation and saying that I was nothing so that Christ was everything, right? You know, that sort of, that sort of thing. Yeah, um, the
0: language that just came through for me was cursing yourself for falling short.
1: Mm, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, um, so I still wrestle with that some. Certainly, uh, but it's um, it's pretty rare, um, relatively rare, a few times a month maybe I'll find myself in one of those kind of those traps. Yeah, yeah, it should, I mean, be, it should be
0: like on the doctor's office where it's like how many times a month or like how with what frequency do you drink? It should be like with what frequency do you flagellate in your self-talk? Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like just once to twice a month, once a week. <laughs>
1: right. Every minute of every day. Um, um yeah. Um, what's my talk like? I'm trying to figure out how to say it in a way that like, that makes any amount of sense. I think a lot of it for me is learned to really, therapy has been very helpful. And I, the particular form that's been really useful for me is called Gestalt therapy. Oh. It starts with sensations in the body. Oh. Um, and does, uh, yeah, starts there every time. Uh, what's showing up physically. tuning in and then from there really being curious about that Like, so what do you feel i feel tightness in my chest oh what shape is it oh it's like a it's like a ball okay what texture is it oh it's it's like smooth it's like a pinball how heavy is it it's like you know like and that's one that's common for me but there are you know infinite possibilities for different people but you start with with what's actually happening physically and then from there um that can be connected to an emotion or to a memory and that can start to bring up things from the past. But by starting in my body first, it's tremendously grounding and keeps me out, keeps me from over intellectualizing things, which is I'm sure dear listeners, you can hear uh, I am prone to do. <laughs> uh, so I think my self talk starts with actually checking with my body and asking how am I feeling? What do I want? What's showing up physically for me? Um, and I've learned to accept, accept to a much greater degree whatever's showing up. I used to not allow myself to be angry. So then I was sad all the time. And, uh, mm. sad was a safer emotion to have. Um, mm. but now it's like, oh, I'm angry and I can sit and sad, Um, let that be. I've, I've done some of the work with the scarier emotions for me, uh, where I've sat with them and realized that I don't get, Actually get consumed by them, right, like that i I'm still there at the end of the end of the day nice. um, that that if we sit with a feeling we're people, so eventually that feeling moves or shifts or becomes another feeling um, that it is in a permanent state, even the ones that we most fear, like sadness or mm. anger or fear um, and um, yeah, so so my self talk is often just referencing or, like, affirming my own experience, asking the question, really letting myself check into that. If I can't sense into it, starting to ask why. Uh, Mm. Usually it's because I'm scared of something, right? And then suddenly I felt something, right? Then suddenly I felt feel. Like, you know, it's just like...
0: like, Oh, there's a feeling.
1: Right, yeah. And so you just get to keep asking questions around it. Uh, And then when, you know, things are stressful or things aren't aren't working, I think a lot of it is reminding myself of, um, that the work is worth it, right? That this, that I'm playing an infinite game, not a finite one, right? Mm-hmm. So if, uh, if an audition goes poorly, uh, that's not the end of the story. It can be one data point. And if the next 50 go poorly, I should probably change something, right? But I'm, a, I'm allowed to make that decision at some point. Um, but, and I'm allowed to feel however I feel in that moment. Um, and, Like, that I, that that the loop isn't necessary. Uh, But really, it doesn't, when I'm really triggered in that place, thinking about it doesn't help very much. It's usually a physical thing. Going for a walk, touching something. I'm a very tactile person. I'll go for a walk and touch, touch a railing, touch a, touch the side of a building, grab a coffee cup, um, and just like trace the edges. Doing things to get the attention off of myself. not rejecting what I'm feeling, but saying, oh, and also this is happening. What does it feel like to trace the edge of the comb that's sitting uh uh in my room? Uh because again it grounds to the present experience because that anxiety for me about my life, right, is uh is usually worrying about the future. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm not it's like the audition has already happened, right? Like there's nothing that's happening about it. The thing I'm scared about is never getting a bull. Right about never getting to the next step about and that those are all future concerns. Uh, whereas if I just sit with what what I'm actually feeling in the moment, I might be sad, right, or I might be angry, or I might be lonely, or I might be tired, you know, whatever the negative thing is there. But the anxiety is usually future projecting. So the things that I do physically are the things that center my self talk and help get me to a present place where, uh, where I can just be with whatever that is. On the good days. And the bad days to spend. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. It's it's so interesting. It, gestalt you can do on your own, or do you require someone to facilitate?
1: Uh I think if you're not familiar with the work, it's pretty helpful to have someone walk you through it. Um it's really easy to jump back to your thoughts. Um, um And it's really helpful to have someone kind of facilitate through, though the approach is very much one of a guide as opposed to an expert from the therapist perspective. They don't have answers. They're not doing a lot of analysis. They're just like creating a space for you. At this point, I have, I've been doing it for, shoot, seven years. Um, uh, at this point, I have some resources to be able to, um, be able to sit and do that for myself. Um, but I still go to, go to a therapist, um, a gestalt therapist. Um, so, it's, it's certainly something that, uh, yeah, that I think people can develop the skills for independently. Um, just depends on how far away you are from that when you get started. And I was very far away from that. So, it was very helpful.
0: It being what? The ability to notice when your thoughts have taken you away from bodily presence?
1: Yeah, or the ability to, sense into your body um that's an easier to, way to
0: say what I just said <laughs> right
1: yeah well and it's the it's the positive as opposed to the negative
0: mm-hmm.
1: um yeah to check in like, how does my knee feel how does my stomach feel how does my you know it's like and not answer that with a litany of words in your head but the sensation in your body um
2: mm-hmm. yeah
1: that takes work and I was I had at the time that I had started that I was completely rejecting my body you know my body was where sin resided and it was where desire and lust and all of those things that um make us make us sinful are. Uh so I had a very unhealthy relationship to my own body. But learning to that those signals could be positive, that listening to them were helpful or good, um, was a long process for me. Shame. Mhm.
0: That's what's in the body. Hmm. <laughs> Feels like to me.
1: Yeah. Or perhaps that's the, that's the lie that we're told. Yeah. Uh, that we're supposed to be ashamed about our bodies and what shows up there.
0: Uh,
1: yeah, I think, I think glory is in the body. Um, mm. more so in, in reality. Mm-hmm. And that's, there's so much power in individual agency and recognizing that you and you alone are the person who's in touch with your physical experience. Um, it's really hard to control someone who um, is attuned to how they're actually feeling sensorially. Um, but if they're shut down, it's no person's so much easier to manipulate.
0: Oh, wow. Well, and that, I mean, <laughs> I could really run with what you just said, you know, because I personally feel that we are in a state of crisis. Little, okay. I can get carried away feeling a little melodramatic about it. hmm I feel like A large percentage of America and Mm -hmm. likely the world is very shut down, very tunnel vision, you know, like looking into the phone all day, every day, forgotten how to have real connection with anyone, (laughs) including their immediate family. (laughs) You know, it's, I've, oh, my heart is like, my heart hurts. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) I get that. It's funny. I think it's probably the place where I may be more mythic than you. Mm -hmm. um i think each generation has had that struggle and ours happened to be connected to iphones Mm -hmm. uh and the internet but i try and think of i'm not much of a believer in the mythic past where spirituality was beautifully aligned and it kind of gets noble savagey in a way that i feel like is problematic um Mm -hmm. not saying that's where you're going but i i tend to I don't know. I guess I'm more cyclical about it. Like that—that that is the hero's journey, right? Like that everyone has to go through that process, and it looks different for us now than it looked a hundred years ago. Um, and there, there are different challenges and different threats. They're not identical. Um, uh, mm-hmm. But, but, it, but that it's—it's it's the same work fundamentally.
0: Mm-hmm. I do not disagree with you. Hmm.
1: Did you just talk about a loss? Like, it's harder, and i, I that's why I was mm-hmm. curious about that. It's Like, that we're, like, and, like, referencing modern technology often can be a proxy for, oh, like, there was good old days, right? Which currently we're experiencing a backlash for politically, but I think also exists in um, other, other spaces as well in our culture.
0: What other spaces are you referring to
1: right now? Oh, like, spiritual spaces, right, that we'll talk about. They won't be looking back to 1950s America, but we'll look to, uh, ancient Sufi culture or other non-Western cultures and idealize them. That's um, so
0: interesting because I don't feel like I'm doing that.
1: <laughs> that's great.
2: Or maybe yeah, I, mean, I just misunderstood. Yeah. yeah.
0: Hmm. Hang on, I want to feel into this for a second.
1: All right. will have a sip of water. Yeah, that's. perhaps it's a sensitive area for me around it because I think there's a big part. like we were talking about in the first segment we were talking about. I was talking about my proclivity to both have this spiritual side, um, and this deeply pragmatic side. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've had to really do is, own, let myself own both. And sometimes in, in a lot of spiritual spaces that I've engaged in both with the ones I was growing up in and then after, um, there can be people who don't have any of the practical side, right? That are like living in the in the clouds of their spiritual existence, right? Um and I don't particularly have a problem with that, but that's not me. And um and so I think I um am sensitive to the to um articulations of like our problems that that have a like kind of drop out sort of moment or just like reject the modern, the modern era sort of ethos to it. Um, and I'm probably hypersensitive to that. I think, um, I just think there's so much work to be done by still being present, uh, to like our current, the current battles that are happening. Um, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying that this is as far as you were going with it, just kind of noticing why there was a moment of perhaps misunderstanding. Um, But for me, it's so important to hold on to both. I guess that's where I feel like a lot of my work is as an artist and as a, as a person existing in the world, right? Uh, in this one that we have. And I think the impulse to, um, to reject, um, like modernity in some of these forms, um, it can come from a place of, like, extreme privilege right like i look at the i look at the hippies that i know and love who live upstate now you know who are truly hippies from like you know lived through the 60s and the 70s and the 80s did that sort of thing i i see like the dropout culture of that and i see um yeah the trust funds that went with it right or just like the unwillingness to like stay in the ring uh while other cultural things were happening around them especially people for people of color um in particular and um, so I, I guess I have a hair trigger around that uh, yeah. with any sort of kind of spiritual worker conversation. Um, it, it reminds me of the exclusionary way that I grew up. Um, I remember very distinctly needing to make a choice when I had left that and was, I got involved in some of the Occupy stuff out in uh, Portland, Oregon. I remember really making Making a decision, I was like well I can fall i I left a uh ideologically pure sort of space because I wasn't working for me, and I had a choice to f- i was in a right wing version of that and a religious version of that, and I could do the same thing on the left um or I could actually maintain a small l liberalism in my life and believe that there are multiple ways to be able to live a good life and that like um that the purity um kind of tendency is is we- is the problematic thing more than the particular ideology that comes with it?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, anyway, I'm rambling on about my own experience and all of that, but um, I think it's one of the things that keeps me firmly planted in both of these worlds and not an entire entirely comfortable inhabitant in in just one or the other
0: spiritual so. and practical yep. Yeah, you said to me, you said to me once, I'm not interested in spirituality that's not grounded in practicality, or something like that.
1: Yeah, that sounds like something I would say.
0: And I was like, oh, a hundred percent agreed. <laughs> yeah, I
1: think that's why we're very good friends. Yeah. One of many reasons.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting, you know this this energy we've just been exploring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, because I'm like, what? I love that you use the the phrase hair trigger. Mm-hmm. Because I use the word trigger all the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've never really, I've heard that before, but I've never really paused to consider it until you just said it, and mm-hmm. it's like just this very fine, fine, like, uh, it's such a subtle thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I love that. Yep, and I'm like, "What was it? There was a perceived rejection of something in what I said. Is that does that feel true?
1: Hmm. I think that's right. I think it was in um, you talking about um, what, what was the phrase? I'm trying to remember exactly.
0: This oh, is where my engineer ta- would pop in and say...
1: <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> hey, Engineer Brian, what was it back about 10 minutes ago that we were talking about?
0: What yeah. started this
1: whole thing? Uh-huh. I mean, it was you talking about, like, you'd you started sliding into talking about how... You you had talked about this is something you could really get going on. Uh, yeah. Like, modern, modern culture being, like, into our phones and not being able to be physically grounded and present. Right, i been... Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, okay. So, and... And. <laughs> for me, the, like, core of that is about oppression. Hmm. And so it's interesting because I don't really have a rejection of modern technology at all. I think it's a tool that we need to learn how to wield without being um, manipulated, you know, Right,
1: <laughs> like that's
0: totally. and then I'm like hesitant to say more because I'm like, okay, then I start to veer off into my like conspiracy theory, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, uh, and I don't need to go there, right? It's interesting though. I mean, I'm grateful for that perceived rejection, but it's funny for me because I have had this happen before where I'm like starting a conversation and I think that I'm totally aligned with what the other person is saying, and then all of a sudden. Hmm. I find us somehow on different sides and I don't know how we got there. Right. And that's the it's first like time you're... like, identified it clearly.
1: Oh, there you go. It's almost like you're doing the work of uh, activating stuck places and people.
0: <laughs> good one.
1: Yeah. That
2: was a really good one.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think you have an inversion to technology. You have an inversion to capitalism. Yes, I And guess. that is... Uh, overwhelmingly present in our lives you know, that might, what that I might
0: be it a... hmm. <laughs> about it being overwhelmingly present in our lives I went to a spiritual activism event the other night mm-hmm. and it was a lot, they were talking a lot about capitalism and this was the first time that I've really been in a room listening to someone speak who was really saying outright like capitalism is evil and if they don't break it like shit's not going to get better Right, and so I had never really been exposed to someone who was so gung-ho about it. Mhm, however, there was one piece of data shared that really put something in perspective for me about my aversion to wealth creation in a like normal sense what's mm-hmm. not not normal, but I don't know the word anyway. What's the point? I'm not sure. I know, me either. Where's oh, making... the point? I know what it is. Go. <laughs> they said that 90, they were like, think about it, 93 cents of every dollar of wealth that's created ends up in the hands of the top one
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I just was shocked by that. I mean, yes, I know that as a Differently framed statistic, but when you put it that way, it made me partially understand on an energetic level my aversion to creating money.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. That's not I, a
0: question. I get I don't that. Know. It's just very alive for me.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, it was so much of what we spent our first 50 minute segment talking about.
0: It's true. Yeah. Uh, Readers or not readers, listeners, <laughs> uh, listeners. If you are like, what the fuck is Tyler talking about? Go back and listen to the episode before this, because it'll make a lot more sense.
1: <laughs> we are certainly far, aflo- far afield from uh, a year ago today.
0: Barbara, uh, let's sorry, go back. If I,
1: sorry if I spun us uh, way off in another direction.
0: Oh, you spun I- us perfectly.
1: Wonderful. <laughs> I tend to muse, uh- as you know.
0: I know. That's why I like it. That's what I like, musing. Good. Musing about the things, you know. I I don't know where I heard recently somebody said like, I want to be around people who talk about ideas, not people who talk about people.
1: Oh, interesting. Huh.
0: And I was just like, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> how many conversations are you party to where people are just talking about the other people that they know and what those people are up to? And
1: <laughs> oh, Interesting. I hadn't heard of it framed that way.
0: Is it negative? Is it negatively framed? That's what I keep finding in our conversation today.
1: (laughs) I don't think so. Um, I mean, I think it's supposing that just talking about people is somehow not what you want to do, which is fine. Mm. Mm -hmm. I've spent a lot of time talking with people about ideas, and I like that. So I, I totally get that. I think I'm in a space where I just want to be around people who are doing their work, whatever that looks like.
0: Yes. Ah, there is a way in which you are so much less judgmental than I am. <laughs> it's or true. Maybe I should just say you are so much less judgmental than I am. It's, I'm, I'm clearing the judgment out of my life. I should read mm. Gabby Bernstein's The Judgment Detox. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know that. It just came out and I think I'm going to read it. Nice. Because I do find myself, it's, I wouldn't probably catch it if I didn't have someone to reflect it to me, you know? hmm but because you're there, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I framed that slightly negatively. Like, what's going on there? Oh, it's based in the judgment that I am subtly holding, you know? And then you're just in such a less judgmental space.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's just an interesting thing about it's such a quick turn that we all can take of spinning from I want something, I don't want this other thing, therefore this other thing is bad, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to not needing to make the last leap, Right. That you can just not want the other thing.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, and it's interesting because it's like, I I think I'm caught, I'm integrating, you know, because if you ask me, I'm like, of course, I believe everyone, everyone's path is 100% their own and I respect everyone's path. And then obviously there is some level at which I'm still moving through that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think you want to believe that for sure.
0: Well, Uh, it's the belief I'm ascribing to.
1: Right. Yeah. It's your professed belief. It's your belief system. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Now I'm waiting for my, not I'm waiting for it. Now my physical reality is swiftly catching up. There you go. As I am clearing clearing judgment out of my life so I can be more like Adam.
1: <laughs> mm, that's a dangerous thing.
0: <laughs> is it?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: That's a whole different podcast episode. <laughs> mm. Don't you think?
1: Perhaps. I don't know. I mean, uh, like it's so being being like me. A lot, lots of things have changed in my life. I've lost a lot of the things that I thought were me. Uh, mm, like you well. know, wow. Well, the relationship that we that we've been talking about, mm-hmm. um, my my faith and my mm. and consequently my career because that was what I was going to do mm. uh, for my work. Uh, I risked my family, and in many ways. Lost pieces of that. Won some back as well. It's not a clean narrative around that. Um, But you know, almost all of my, uh, all of my friends from that era, right? Like I think back to the wedding that I had. um, You know, I'm not uh, at this point uh, talking with any of the men who were in my uh, in my wedding party, right? Because they were all part of that world, right? When I left that world. Again, it's a more complicated story than that, but that's, that's the state of things currently. And that's been largely the case. It's like the whole, yeah, the more, the more you buy into trying to be someone, the more you have to give up when you stop doing that and try to be yourself. Just let you be yourself. It's not for the, not for the faint of heart. Mm -hmm. I will say it's highly worth it. I highly recommend it. But. Yeah, it's not easy.
0: We got here, didn't we, from you saying it might be dangerous to be more like you?
2: hmm
0: I'm interested in that link to the energy of danger. Because what you just described, to me, I don't have a lot of judgment around. <laughs> you know, I'm like, you, your role was perfect, and...
2: Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: I think so. Um Yeah, but there are a lot of uh I don't know. There are a lot of broken eggs in that omelet, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean it, it there probably becomes a larger conversation about w well, what are our choices, uh, really. Um but I don't
2: know, I
1: think I used to be be safer in the sense that you could easily predict what my response would be in a given situation, Um, and my concern was much more to make sure that everyone else was okay, and if there was conflict, I was going to internalize it as opposed to have it be something that was out in the open. Um, I was going to make that a conflict about me, not, uh, be in conflict with another person. Um, and so I did a tremendous amount of work to not ruffle feathers and, I, you know, achieved a certain amount of success with that and could have continued around, along those lines. And I'm less that way now, um, to a significant degree. Um, you know, when you build a life, uh, around that kind of, uh, avoiding your conflict and 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 whatnot, you build it with people who want that, right? And this isn't, to be clear, it's not a particular <laughs> reflection on the relationship, though that's certainly, I guess, included mm-hmm. in it. Um, yeah, and then when you suddenly become someone who is willing to embrace conflict in order to own what they want or who they are, um, that's not tenable for a lot of people. Um, that's also messy when you're learning how to do it for the first time, you're never good at it. I've certainly made mistakes. <laughs> yeah. That and I
0: you can learn. identify with. Yeah. And then
1: you find people who are good with it. Right. But that doesn't mean that there isn't, it's not a seamless transition. I think it's one of the biggest challenges I find whenever I have these sorts of conversations because one of the things I enjoy and am good at is finding these particular words. It's like, I worry that it comes across sugar-coated or somehow more serene than the actual experience. Um, mm-hmm. because it's, it's not easy. Right? Like, it's terrifying. And I hope that what I went through a year ago today is the hardest thing I have to do in my life. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it would be fair, right, if that was the case. <laughs> I don't think I would have gotten a, gotten out of life easy if that was the hardest thing. Um, and the work is worth it. Uh, but it's, it is, uh, oh, I'm reminded, oh, I think, oh, I think I know why. Uh, why I keep using dangerous. There are a lot of reasons, but I remember the C.S. Lewis uh, quote uh, in Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe when they, when uh, one of the children is asking about Aslan for the first time. Um, uh, and, and I think it's Mr. Thomas. Oh, I can't believe really I remember this this well. It's been 15 years since I've read that. Oh, my goodness. I don't but, remember yeah. it that
0: well, but I do remember specifically what classroom I was in reading that book during like standardized testing. So Amazing. don't worry, I'm right Amazing. there with you. <laughs> okay.
1: But like one of the children, probably Lucy, asks... Uh, about Aslan, it's like, oh, Aslan's a lion. And one of the kids is like, oh my goodness, a lion. Well, is he safe? Uh, and Mr. Thomas replies, safe? Of course he's not safe, but he's good. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think I anchored to that some, with some amount of hope. Uh, that I'm less safe, but more good. <laughs> mm-hmm. No. Uh, and so I think that's what I mean when I talk about danger, at least when it's from a good place and not from like a self-shaming place.
0: Yeah. I think that's the subtle, the subtle energy I'm feeling a little bit, maybe, you know, but Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't clear if you were coming from a place of, um, celebration for what you are or hmm. something else.
1: I think that's still in process. I think there's a tug of war that happens for me Yeah. around it.
0: It's interesting because the, the, <laughs> the language that's alive for me is that you, you're talking about being dangerous. And I'm like, what you're saying is you're more likely to ruffle some feathers now because you're going to take up, you know, I'm thinking about animals. You're going to take up the space that you're naturally meant to take up. Right. <laughs> and which is just what I've been saying. I'm going to do. Right. You know? So I'm like, I'm celebrating that in you, Adam. <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, me too. I really love that. <laughs> and I like surrounding myself with people who are celebrating. that. I think it's one of the reasons we're friends. Um, And that's part of the shift of what kinds of friends I've needed in in my life to continue the work. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Well, that's gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Happy to. Mm.
1: Were there any other questions that you uh, wanted to make sure and get to? I feel like we kind of went all over the place with it. We
0: do go all over the place. It'll be interesting to see if people enjoyed this or if they're like... <laughs> <laughs> These just two that? friends going What the are off? they talking about? Yeah, right? Uh, I just realized it's interesting. I feel like the person who I'm interviewing kind of takes the energetic lead in a way.
1: Hmm. That's probably the sign of a good interviewer.
0: Oh, let's hope so. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of what
1: you want, right? Because you're yeah. wanting them to get a sense of the person.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks for discovering all this with me. It's fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I'll be excited to listen to it. Okay.
0: Mm, I do have one more question. Okay. And we can we can stay focused in our answer. <laughs> Great. So that we don't spin out into another whole half hour conversation, which I feel we are want to do. Right. I know that you guys have not had, well, you've had contact, right? You've continued to move through the separation together. Mhm. Uh-huh. I guess I'm wondering about the absence of your partner and how that has um how you hold that now if it's still present for you in a way.
1: Yeah, it, it comes and goes, the, the presence of that. Certainly not all the time. Uh, but there'll be moments, um, yeah, moments throughout my day or my week where, where I'll notice, right? Notice that she's not there to experience something with me or, uh, or to reflect with. Uh, I notice that around my birthday a lot, actually. Um my birthday's in February. And it was very interesting because so I, I was in a show um and so and I had a show that night, and so i didn't have uh, I just spent the evening with my cast who I dearly loved and love, um but I really felt the um, the newness of that that these were all people that had only known me for uh two months, and I remembered just the year after year you know in my Around my birthday, she and I would reflect, right, on all these changes that had happened in our lives. Uh, and so, I've missed that. Um, it's part of the part of the loss that doesn't get made up and won't ever be, in some ways, right. When you separate with uh, your first love, right, and the person who was with you as you grew up, like you don't you don't get that back. If I have other relationships in the future, they will be different. They will not have been for that era of my life. Um, so I think, yeah, it, it certainly still shows up. Um, I think the work for me in that is to just feel into it, right? To not say, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Or, oh, I don't want that to be here. Uh, but to let it be what it is, which is usually sad. Sometimes it's anger. Uh, but um and then ask myself, okay, what do I need? Right now, right? And sometimes it's just to sit with it, right? It's like, okay, I'll just sit here and be sad and see how long that lasts. (laughs)
0: Um, I know that feeling. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And usually it's not very long, right? Or I'll be sad, but also want to then watch a show on Netflix, right? Great British Breakup or something. Um, Or it'll be like, okay, and what can I do to take care of myself in the moment, right? Um, And that's, you know, reach out to friends, go do something that's emblematic of the work that I'm doing now like anchored anchored in who I am today and the fact that I can still still take care of myself uh, and I'm lucky to have friends who I can text or call or say hey I'm feeling it today can you hang out tonight and usually someone down the chain can do it um, <laughs> in that particular example uh you know I, I enjoyed that birthday a lot and uh and I uh was like, and I'm feeling the need to connect with people who have known me longer. And so the next day I set up a belated birthday thing when I didn't have a show the next week with, uh you know, with older friends who'd been here, who'd known me for almost all my time in New York. Um, and that was exactly what I needed. Um, it was just beautiful to be say, okay, I need this. It's not going to come. And that was, that was a Thursday. It was my birthday. The next Wednesday was when I set up the dinner with friends. But they basically all were able to show up, and, uh, I was able to put it on the shelf, you know, and say, okay, this is a need I have, it's gonna be met going forward, uh, and, and then show up for that, um, and get that, you know, and I think that's part of the work, is like really trusting that your, my own ability to identify my needs is pretty good, and my ability to get those met is pretty good too, not a hundred percent, but that if I stay in that cycle, uh that's, that's really that that's the cycle whether or not you're in a relationship or not um is is holding on to that for yourself because the reality is even in a relationship you you still have to be able to own that for yourself a lot of people i think want um and i did it early on in a relationship wanted uh, her to be able to read my mind. I thought that's what romance was. I thought that's what love was, right?
0: <laughs> I think everybody wishes for that. <laughs> yeah, and that's
1: an understandable <laughs> desire. It's really ingrained in the culture too. Um, yeah,
0: it really is. It's. It's. I remember starting to feel surprised when I understood that men couldn't read my mind.
1: Yeah, right. And that didn't mean they didn't care about you.
0: Oh uh, boy. Well. Maybe that not that one yet.
1: Work. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Um But it's just not true. Um, there can be other problems that are with that. If someone's not listening, that's different. If you're saying what you need and they don't pick it up, they don't care, or whatever it is, that's a whole other problem. But if you're not saying it, uh then there's no hope, right? Then you're playing then then you have no agency, right? If you're not asking for what you need. And if you can't trust that you're gonna be attracted to someone, uh if they can't predict your every need and fulfill it, then I don't know. Then there's some other work can you go find a gestalt therapist. <laughs> but uh I really
0: yeah. we didn't even talk about this, but I really do if if anybody out there is interested in gestalt, you should definitely definitely check it out. I've I've had one experience in my life and it was radical.
1: Yeah, mine was transformative. I went to SLM uh in Big Sur uh for a retreat uh 7 years ago. And I was it was I was it was integrated with the work I was doing, uh uh-huh. but it changed my life. Uh, to sit with that. I can't
0: believe we haven't already talked about
1: that. Yeah, I don't think we have, like okay. at all. Right. We'll have to do that another time.
0: <laughs> so I'm not going to ask you to do that. Maybe you can have me back right for
1: uh, the anniversary of me going. We go? I would
0: love to do that. When okay. is that? Do you know? I'm on the calendar right now. Thank yeah. You writing yeah. it down. Great. June, Esalen, Adam. Okay, Adam.
1: <sighs> have we taken it's long enough?
0: I know, I know. <laughs> Have What time is it? Wow, we've taken some time. We have. That's great. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. It's interesting. While you were talking about, you know, the pre- the presence of someone even in their absence,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I was like, of course she's still present in your life. She's present in my life, and I never even, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. just in knowing you and like. In being your friend, it's interesting how I'm suddenly like, oh, it's, you
1: know,
2: yeah, Our
0: presence is diffused like that.
1: Yeah, it's the beautiful thing about the impact we can have in people's lives. Mm-hmm. Like the belief that I have in myself uh, was fostered and nurtured by her. Uh, she believed in me much, m- uh, much before I believed in myself. Uh, and I will, I'm forever grateful to her for that. And it's like, and that's, that is, that's one of the beautiful things too. when We are winding it down. It's like, oh, all of these gifts that we have, uh, that we've given to each other, we still get to hold on to. Um, uh, that doesn't just get wiped away because it's time to find the next thing. Um, uh, yeah, it's beautiful. So I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you can see that. It's easy for me to see. Um where she shows up in my life uh, a year later.
0: All right, my last question, because it's the one one we end on, Mm -hmm. is if you could go back to a year ago today and give yourself one message from who you are now, what would you say?
1: That's a very big question. Trust yourself. You're stronger than you think.
0: That's a good one. Yep. And <laughs> yeah. um, do you want people to be able to find you on the internet?
1: Sure. Yeah. You can find me. Sure. Why we do Twitter? That'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, and Instagram. Yeah. So Twitter, you can find me at Adam D. Pierce. That's spelled P E A R C E. Uh, and then, on Instagram, with my last name and first two initials, Pierce AD. Great! Thank That's you me. so much. Of course, thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: Oh, it's been so fun. We'll have to do it again. I know. Well, in June.
1: You got me. To, you got me to do <laughs> this one. If I can do this one, I can do any of the others.
0: I know. Well, it's easy. The, after the first time, it's no big deal, right? Right. <laughs> right. Exactly.
1: Well, that that in the subject matter.
3: All right. Thank yeah. you. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Hello, listeners. It's me, Sally. For those of you who don't recognize my voice, (laughs) don't know me. um, I will be adding a little outro Mm -hmm. conclusion to these episodes. I'd say maybe not all of them, but certainly this one, maybe most of them. And yeah, I just finished listening to the really beautiful conversation between Tyler and Adam. It was really, I really loved it. Took me a couple of sittings. um, Just because I kept stopping and going back to actually this thing that he had shared in the beginning. Where he was talking about um, like not needing to stop liking, loving, or respecting someone. To know that it's still time to move on. um, Or that you're ready to move on. Something like that. And specifically because he kept, he, not kept. That he was talking about it in the context of living a rich life. And I just, I don't I kept going back to that. I kept thinking about that. And I kind of took everything else that he said through that lens. I think partially because as soon as he said it, it felt like this really powerful truth of maybe a way that at least my utopia would go. Where we only ever decide to move on when we are still in the process of, or when we still like love or respect someone. Cause I think maybe beyond that, if, if those things are missing, then there's perhaps more healing work or clearing work or closure that needs to happen Um, for ourselves, not necessarily for the other person, but just for ourselves and, for our own experience in closing that relationship, whatever that relationship is, not just romantic. So yeah, I kept thinking about that. And I kept coming back to that, even if they were talking about something completely different. I kept thinking about it in the terms of that really beautiful insight that Adam gave us. Um, and so I'd love to hear what you all have to say about that. Would that be part of your utopia? What does your utopia look like? <laughs> I think a lot about it, especially because of Alanis' song. <laughs> so um please share this podcast episode if you love if you loved it or liked it or had any thoughts around it that you want to discuss with someone, definitely rate and review the podcast. It really does help. Um it whatever platform you're using, whether it's podcast app or stitcher or wherever. Um, reading and reviewing allows people to find the podcast and it helps it grow. You can find us on social media at a year ago podcast. We're on Facebook and Instagram pretty much exclusively, even though technically we are also on Twitter and, um, and yeah. And for those who, well, if you, you may or may not know, depending on whether or not you've listened, but, um, to, well, to the Monday night raw. But I am hosting a really beautiful and powerful retreat this summer for women of color, and I am raising money to help offset the costs for those who find it costs prohibitive, but where for people who find that it's really a big stretch to invest in themselves in that way in this moment, but are still really committed to their healing. So. If you would like to contribute to that financially, which is perhaps the number one way to help, um, there'll be a link in the show notes and you can or you can just go to paypal.me slash Sally Mercedes. S A L L Y M E R C E D E S. Mercedes Like the Car. Um, so PayPal.me slash Mercedes and you can contribute whatever feels good to you. A hundred dollars, fifty dollars, fifteen dollars, eleven dollars um whatever you feel called to uh contribute to support that healing and that container for really powerful clearing and healing um and oh and if you're a woman of color i guess i'll also say that you can join us um we'll be connecting with our ancestors and allowing the land and each other and ourselves really rise up Well, and pleasure really rise up to meet us in our healing and in our potential for what's possible, um, in clearing some of, some of the things that are really specific to us, whether it's bondage or, um, uh, colonization or racism, colorism, whatever that might be. Um, It's going to be really, really magical. I'm very excited about it and I would love your contribution. Uh, I think that those are all the things. And um, until next time, I love y'all. Bye.